Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond, Global Director of Research at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Hi, welcome to another episode of Rethink Retail. Today's guest is Jacob Pat. Jacob, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Julia, thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to uh, our session together. Absolutely. And Jacob is the Chief Information Officer at Champion Pet Foods, where he leads the company's disruption of the pet food manufacturing industry through innovative tech solutions. And prior to his role at Champion, Jacob proved himself as a future-focused IT leader at Canada Goose, where he was initially brought on board to build the technology group in support of rapid expansion. Jacob, let's kick it off by just hearing a bit more about yourself and your role at Champion Pet Foods and maybe Canada Goose. You have a ton of experience in C-level positions. I just want to hear kind of your journey getting there. So I've been in the technology space for about 22 years now, um, really worked in various industries, spanning apparel, software, healthcare, banking, uh, manufacturing, consumer electronics and automotive, among a variety of other areas. It's really given me a unique perspective in the challenges that face us today and will face us tomorrow. My passion has always been problem solving and looking at different problems in different industries and seeing how we can help kind of move the needle forward. In uh, my current role as Chief Information Officer at Champion Pet Foods, I'm uh, responsible to enable the right technology for our business, supporting both the consumers and our internal users. My job is to make their job easier, uh, more enjoyable, whether it's what they're doing day to day or how our consumers are interacting with our business. My goal is to make sure that that is as seamless as possible. In my prior role at Canada Goose, I was with them for about six and a half years, really helped drive the technology side of their business, helped build out their e-commerce business, and really provide thought leadership around where technology could help scale that business to where it is today. Definitely. And what was the experience like for you personally, just going from Canada Goose retail focus, you said six and a half years, and then transitioning to, uh, you know, more on the manufacturing side with Champion Pet Foods? It was interesting. Um, I've wanted, I've worked in a lot of different industries. One area that I have not touched was pet food. And one of the reasons I jumped on this is I'm an animal lover. I've had uh, pets for most of my life. And currently I own two dogs. And I thought, you know what, what better way to help uh, disrupt an industry that's ripe for destruction than being a part of it from the inside. So I thought it was a great opportunity to really come in and see where I can help from with the perspective that I've had from my background. Sure. And it sounds like you have a passion for the industry because you have two dogs, as you said. So I have to ask what kind of uh, breed they are. Or mud? Well, the um, first one, I would say she runs the house. She's an eight and a <laughs> half year old Yorkie. However, our newest pup, she's just over two years old. She's a German Shepherd. And the two of them have a very, very interesting uh, relationship. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. A Yorkie and a German Shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I grew up with German Shepherds, so I love them. And my cousin has a, a Yorkie that looks like it, you know, is a puppy, but it's like 11 years old now. So it's yeah, they age super well. cute. Yeah, they do. They really do. And I have a dog of my own now, but she's a, a mutt. I actually got her on <laughs> from someone on Craigslist years ago. So I love her though. She's a black lab mix. Oh, awesome. Yeah. The pets are amazing. And, you know, 
It's it's interesting to see the trends that are going on with some of the pet health apps and things like that. But before we get too off track, I wanted to kind of bring us back to the fact that we're at the start of a new decade. And it seems like the perfect time to get opinions from senior leaders like yourself on what are the big things that are happening. We have a lot of retail events coming up where people will be talking about the new tech. What are some of the changes or challenges that got us here from your opinion? I think being, you know, you've been in the retail space for quite some time and, you know, a lot of the audience that are listening are in the retail space. I've heard this phrase over and over again, where it's just, you know, retail is that. I personally do not believe retail is that. Retail, I think, is going through a massive change driven by the consumer. The consumer is really shifting and setting new standards to what they want in what a retail experience should look like. And, you know, the biggest changes over this past decade has been driven from them. They've kind of taken the bull by the horns and kind of said, okay, here's kind of what our expectations are. We can chalk up a lot of the reasons as to why certain malls or certain stores are not doing well. But ultimately, I mean, the consumer's not coming there. They're still buying. So it's not like buying has gone down. So they're finding other channels to do this. So the question comes back is, you know, what are they looking for and what are we missing? And the one interesting thing in this, also we'll touch on this a little bit more later, is the expectations are different from region to region. So, you know, as we get into the whole globalization of even the retail space, what consumers experience, whether it's in Asia, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in the Americas, is, is very different. And a lot of people are not aware of that, but people that do travel quite a bit, they look at those experiences and say, wow, you know, you get like a wow experience in, in a brand in one region and you get a so-so experience with the same brand in another region mm-hmm. because of the end consumer. And when I look at kind of what can we do, like when we look at the start of this next decade, we've been using a lot of buzzwords and a lot of different coin terms. Okay, let's, you know, we went through the omni-channel phase and we want to do endless aisle and we want to do right. all this. Ultimately, it comes back to one simple thing as consumers, especially if we look at ourselves as consumers, is how do we make the ability for them to acquire these products or services as easy as possible? For that, I'm going to go back to a very interesting baseline. And the baseline I'm going to go back to is either both Amazon and Google. They've disrupted their own marketplaces in their own ways. But because those two brands are so infused in a lot of the things that we do every day, so whether that's you know how we shop, how we search, how we look for things, but they're so part of the things that we don't even think about. When we look at the experience they provide and how easy it is to do things within those platforms, that kind of experience is being translated across to other areas. So the expectation as it comes to retail is, well, why can't it be that easy? Why do I have to talk to four people to do something? Or why do I have to look through this many different inventories to find things? Why shouldn't it just be that easy, frictionless experience, whether I'm in-store, whether I'm online? And that's where I think things are going. It's people's expectations of making it easy for them to interact, to purchase goods, to transact with services are changing. And it is being driven by some of the bigger tech organizations like Amazon and Google, because they're making it easier and easier for us to do things. So the question comes, well, if they can make it easy, well, why can't you? Mm -hmm. And when it comes to your specific category, is there anything that poses unique challenges from an IT perspective? I mean, I know Amazon has tons of data services and they're a leader in that area. So how can other brands keep up, so to speak? I think the one thing that Amazon does really well is their marketplace. 
So everyone looks at them as Amazon is my biggest competitor. And I'll discount that because Amazon is a platform where people will buy things and they'll buy certain things where you you don't really care about the experience. Like when you're buying detergent, you don't necessarily care about the experience. You're going to go buy detergent because you need detergent. Whether somebody gives you the best experience or the worst experience might make a bit of a difference, but it's not going to change whether you buy brand X over brand Y. However, when you buy other things, things that we use every day, things that we, whether it's electronics, whether it's clothing, whether it's other things that purchase, whether it's services, anything that has a bit of where you do have an experience tied to it, Amazon's goal today is not to enhance that experience, but brands and manufacturers do have the ability to enhance that experience. So whether it's in, in the industry of pet food or you know any of those other related industries, they have the ability to control that end user experience. And that's something that I feel is significantly missing in a lot of verticals, not just in the pet food space. And so from your take, you think Amazon is not focused as much on some of the things that brands are, and that's where they can shine. A hundred percent. So Amazon is one of your fastest way to find what you're looking for, get to purchase and off you go. Now, if you're looking to learn about things, I mean, sure, you can go through ratings and reviews and everything else, but if you want to curate more of a more, let's call it white glove service to let's call it more higher end products, or even to take a regular product and provide it a premium experience, you have the ability to do so because the consumer today is almost expecting that. If you were to give a consumer a premium experience, so let's say um, a simple thing. I'm going to pick a very simple industry, which is not even related to any of this. Buying tires. We all buy them all the time. Right? Ooh, so fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like a fun industry, right? So, But you think about this. So I'm in Canada. Not all provinces have legislated to have winter tires. But if you need to go look for winter tires, should be a pretty easy experience, right? So you know what car you have. You should be able to go get the winter tires and you know, off you go. It's a lot harder experience than you think. So you may have to go back to the dealer. They may be out of stock. Then they may, mm-hmm. you may have to wait for this. And you're like, okay, wait a second. It's just tires. I just need four tires installed on my car. How hard is this? And it's that is a great opportunity. So you know, one of the things is you have a lot of these wholesalers online that sell you the tires. The problem is they're missing the last mile, which is, well, where do you go to get them installed? So you got to get them shipped to your house and you got to take them somewhere. So it's all about that experience. Now, if somebody were to close that whole ecosystem and say, you know what? Hey, Jacob, I realized winter is two months away. We got some great tires here for you. We can book an appointment for you in November. Here are the tires we're recommending. Pick one and we'll take care of everything when you get there. That's an experience. So taking something as simple as tires, you can get to a very positive experience. And that creates a positive relationship with the consumer. It's like, oh, okay, this is great. And that leaves a pretty lasting environment, except for the fact that a lot of people put things off. This is a personal opinion, but I think a lot of people do put things off because they don't like the experience. We talk about all these things. I mean, you know, we were just earlier talking about, you know, right now there seems to be a a bit of a virus going around here. And, you know, one (laughs) of the biggest things is going into walk-in clinics. Mm, Why why are the walk-in clinics experience where you can register online and get pinged when you need to go? Everyone has, most people have a mobile phone today. So you come in, sign up, and when you're ready, just get paged up instead of waiting in a room with 106 people. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to the experience. I think that's the kind of expectation that's also touching retail, which is the consumer's expectations have changed so much. And I don't want to get off topic, but it's, it's that whole experience concept that can be even done in any industry to make that experience better for the consumer. And I love those two examples you gave with the tires 
in the walk-in clinic because Jacob, you and I, we could uh, quit our jobs today and we, we can go start a business where we bring the tires to your house and we install them on your car and then we leave. Yeah. Well, voila. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you heard it here on this show, folks. That's right. It's a business idea for our listeners. <laughs> but those are great examples when it comes to experience because that's what everyone's talking about in retails. Experiences, connected experiences, blending of the great word digital, um, physical and digital. But from a tech perspective, what are the big things that you're excited about in this next decade? I think the biggest things is how quickly the landscape in tech is changing. There's been a lot of chat on AI, machine learning, augmented reality. And, and I think a lot of people have a hard time grasping all the different terminologies. I think a lot of people will just blend everything in a blender together and say, oh, it's that new stuff. And the new mm-hmm. stuff could be, you know, whether it be machine learning, AI, AR, augmented reality. And I see the next where tech can really leapfrog the next, let's call it this next decade, is taking some of these platforms like augmented reality or machine learning or AI and using it in a way that can enhance the experience without actually hindering it. And what I mean by that is it's important to note that let's not stop using tech for the sake of tech, right? It's not cool just to say you've got AI or machine learning or augmented reality. What's really cool is if you have that and you don't have to say, but the people experience it, that changes the game. So let's say, for example, you talk about a shopping experience, you know, where let's go back into the retail space for a second. And you're looking at picking up a particular clothing outfit and you start that journey, whether it's through Instagram, through the web, through some channel that's digital, through your phone or at home on a a laptop. You go through that experience. And then why should that person now go to the store? Because I mean, the store is, is, should be a connected experience because there's things in the store that you can do that you can't necessarily do in front of your digital device. Mm -hmm. What if you can actually enter the store through your digital device? What if the digital device creates an AR segment, which you can walk into, which could be your closest physical retail store, the brand you're looking at, interact with the salesperson that's on the other side of that and being able to help you, you know, maybe you try something on through an AR lens, look at a couple of things. And there's so many areas that you can use this with, like you can use this with glasses, with outfits, with any number of outerwear. And a lot of this comes back where you can add value by bringing technology and fusing it seamlessly on the other side, where A, you don't have to be gifted to use these tools. So anyone should be able to pick them up and be able to interact with that easily. Second, you're making the experience enjoyable because you're actually adding value to that person who's interacting with you. So whether it's you're talking to a sales rep on the other side through an AR window and they're like, oh, by the way, you know, you're trying these glasses on. That's great. Here's three other glasses for your face that look really great. And there's a drag it onto you and just making your whole search and filter process so much easier. Those are experiences you're going to remember. And I see tech playing a bigger part in that. And it sounds so futuristic. I don't think this is too far away because as you look at the retail landscape around the globe, there are some regions that are doing some very interesting things. And, you know, one of the areas I'll, I'll touch on briefly is, is China. So in China, there's a lot of stores where you can actually buy using your face. So, you know, again, we're using biometrics and yes, it opens up a whole different set of <laughs> security, privacy, <laughs> security, and all of those things. And I get it. 
I think we also have to be mindful. I mean, we're stepping into a day and age where we got to find the right balance. If you talk to some of the millennial generation, they're willing to sell absolutely everything they have on themselves if they can make their life better. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can give them a positive experience, they're like, okay, have it. Like, I'm, that's great. Yeah, you know, right. Take this from me and it's great. But that comes back to creating value, right? Like I think anyone would actually probably give you the same sales pitch if you can provide enough value in return, right? Personalized search results are not exactly the pinnacle of what we should have today. It's more about trying to get to that next level where you're adding value to the person's journey. So like, for example, if you look in the, you know, let's call in the pet food space, I was learning, there's not anyone that really walks with you through the journey of the pet. So, you know, the pet, whether you get a pet as an adopted pet, as a, as a new, as a puppy or kitten, and you're going through this journey and the journey of this pet is, is different because everyone has a different lifestyle. The pets have a different kind of path that they go through. Well, who's interacting with you during that process? Is somebody telling you to change your feed when your pets change from, you know, a puppy to young adult to an adult to a senior? Is What if your own lifestyle changes and if you have to travel more? Are there other services that are being offered to you, such as daycare and other services that can help benefit you? So things like that. I see tech being more involved in it, understanding us better, being more predictive and adding value when it counts, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Adding value when it counts and in being an experience anyone could pick up their phone or whatever device and interact with easily. Yeah. And, and maybe it's not the phone, maybe it's something else, but I mean, yeah. right now, I mean, that is the closest thing that we've got that we all hold near and dear to. <laughs> right. And you mentioned some human elements that you said, you know, having a salesperson virtually connected with you and then also having people, maybe it's tech, maybe it's a person recommending services and feed change specific to the pet industry, like you said. You know, we see it with Warby Parker with their glasses try on app and some cool things. Do you think we're going to be there yet with things like clothing? I think so, because I mean, here's the thing I'll go through maybe some fads, right? So we had the magic mirror. And the reason it didn't really take off was it was a bit of a nuisance, right? I mean, it's very impersonal, very cold. There wasn't, I mean, it, it looked cool when it came. So people wanted to try it, but the value proposition wasn't there. And then you went into, you know, the other side of it where you had some chatbots that were trying to become personalized stylists that were trying to help you with certain things. Imagine a world where if somebody got to know you through a digital lens and said, you know what, Julia, based on your style, here's what we think that you look good in. But instead of actually just sending you the recommendation, pulling you into their AR experience and saying, okay, Julia, you're going to try on these outfits for us. Here's what it looks. Take a look at it yourself then you're able to interact with that person. You're like, no, it's, I don't like this. Maybe it should be a different color. And then there's now a relationship because I think the part that's missing in all this is the relationship part. When you talk about experiences, we keep saying experiences, but a lot of experiences come back to a human element, right? And that's what's missing in some of these pieces. So if you can close that loop off and say, you know what, if there is a human that's interacting with you at some level and using technology to remove some of these barriers, why not? And, and, and where I want you to take your, you know, maybe imagination to here for a second is we talk about the globalization of brands and businesses. One of the things that we struggle with today is, well, we need to have a store in every country. Great. What if you don't? What if you just need to have it? Let's say we have a store in London, England, and it's a great new store for fashion. What prevents somebody from here being 
um, going there through an AR lens and experiencing what that store would look like without having to fly there. You still have an in-store experience. You still get to look at what that looks like. You get a feel for the brand. And you know what? Maybe that goes on your bucket list as a place you absolutely need to go when you travel down that way. So it does definitely change the game of retail a little bit in terms of what that experience is. But the human element, I believe, is the part that we need to figure out how to close the loop on. Certainly. And I love the um, the imagination and some of the examples you're giving because it probably will become a reality within this next decade as we're talking about the future. And what are some, because I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but what are some of the differences uh, from your experience in, you know, like APAC or China specifically when it comes to connected experiences in retail versus maybe North America or Europe? So, you know, in North America, we use this term called omni-channel. And, and, and the term omni-channel over, over the last decade, I mean, it's gotten quite a bit of popularity. And it was to kind of give the consumer a similar experience in whatever channel you interact with them on. In Asia, you had the online to offline or O2O or offline to online experience. And a lot of it came back is, well, whether you're online will we're trying to bring you offline into the store, or if you're offline, we're trying to bring you online. They had a very different way of looking at things. And also when you look at the different markets, I think one of the biggest things is Asia has created this platform where basically, you know, they've got more of a connected payment ecosystem and they also have a more robust chat system. And, and one of the biggest things for them is they've started to close the line on what if it's just easier to provide services through a single platform for anything that you'd like. So using their payment platform as their one base, and they use WeChat for a lot of their services. We don't have anything like that here. I know we're trying to do this, but if you think about this, in the Asian market, they use WeChat for almost everything, whether it's buying plane tickets, train tickets, show tickets, you know, whatever they need to do and transact and do business with. So the concept of commerce has changed. Even the paradigm of how commerce is done, it's not with the terminal, payment terminal system. It's not with multiple apps. It's like, here's one app and here's all these different connectivity points. Now that comes with its own set of issues because then it becomes, you have one dominant player that kind of runs the entire market. Mm -hmm. Almost like a monopoly of a, of a tech tool. Exactly. And then that opens doors. But I'm sure there's different ways to dice that in a way where it becomes a little bit more controlled by multiple parties, right? There's different ways to look at that model. But ultimately, a lot of it comes back to how easy they've made it for people. They kind of leapfrogged us in some areas as it came to the shopping experience because they couldn't build out a lot of the infrastructure that we had, that we have in North America. So they leapfrogged us in that way. And then you look at other places like Europe who have had smaller just country footprints where they were able to do other things like last mile services that were a little bit more robust and more curated than we had because we've got in North America, larger land masses and larger geography stores. Right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's different things. And I think what will ultimately change this, and, you know, it's interesting when we talk about retail, because, you know, I, up until a couple of even last year, you heard that 3D printing was going to change everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot about 3D printing. Yeah, there you go. But it, it, isn't it funny because, oh, it's going to change the shopping experience. People are just not going to go to the store. They're just going to print it at home and that's it. I'm, <laughs> that's not it. And I mean, 3D printing has a ton of value in a lot of places. But one of the reasons why it hasn't taken off yet is the experience to get it done, how it works, all the pieces. It's a lot more difficult than it has to be. And people that do it and do it often, they're like, this is easy. 
but it's not something that everyone can pick up. So when you look at this, you know, when I talk about experiences around the globe, I think it's good to look around the globe, like places like Asia. And I would also say anywhere that are emerging markets to see how they're solving problems that may potentially be even applicable to us here. Because although we may not be in the same state of an emerging market in the Americas, there's things that we can take from these emerging markets to better the experience because for them, they don't have the luxury of some of the, let's call it, experiences that we have here on our side. Yes. And I, I love that the examples you gave and, um, you know, it's definitely interesting when, when we talk on this macro level about the differences in retail across different areas of the world. It seems like you have a lot of experience there. I know we're getting to the end of our, our chat, but I wanted to ask you about you're based in Canada and you were with Canada Goose for over six years, six and a half, I believe you said, and you led the new innovative store that opened just a, a month or two ago in Toronto. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, it was one of the last projects I had started and handed off to another peer executive before I left in April. But the vision for it, I think, is should be synonymous with um, really anyone else kind of looking to create that next experience. The challenge was really to create a store or an, more experience that didn't have inventory, but allowed people to feel the brand. And, and I think, you know, for anyone that hasn't had an opportunity to visit you know, the Sherwood Garden store for Candy Goose, the 100% should, really gives you a very different experience of what the art of the possible is. And, you know, we worked with quite a few agencies back then to kind of get everything done. It's interesting because regardless of how mature a brand or a product may be, it's interesting to understand how different an experience can make that. So one of the biggest things is, you know, when you make high-end parkas that are, you know, the best in the world, it's very interesting to forget that that still has an experience around it. And that experience is, you know, especially for, you know, not everyone has the luxury of visiting the Arctic or going to some of the coldest places on earth. Mm-hmm. And this store doesn't take you to the absolute coldest places on earth, but it definitely gets you into a place that allows you to feel what that would feel like. And I think when you look at all this, ultimately, it's it's really touching on one thing, which is experience, is people will become more connected to brands and services as people get more connected to the experiences that those brands and services entail. Absolutely. Jacob, thank you so much, Chief Information Officer of Champion Pet Foods. It was so great having you on the show and hearing, I mean, I could talk to you all day long It's out and just pick your brain about all of the, um, the futurist things that we've been talking about today. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Elena. It was a pleasure being on the show. Pleasure having you. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com.